I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. We do know that shoplifting has increased, so that includes food, apparel, footwear, merchandise. Hi, I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. Welcome to Cross Country Checkup. I think the reason why people don't like receipt checks is they feel like the retailer is treating them like a criminal. Our question today from self-checkout to those receipt checks, what is your shopping experience like these days? Call us right now, 1-888-416-8333, 1-888-416-8333. I don't see why people are in such a kerfuffle about showing their receipts. That doesn't bother me one bit. I prefer myself to go to a cashier because they are efficient. I remember leaving after having purchased something with a bag and someone stopped me and asked me to check my receipt and I said no thanks and I just kept walking. Ever since CBC News did a story a few days ago on this topic, we've been inundated with replies and comments, strong opinions from literally thousands of people. Clearly, these topics touch a nerve. And on the program, we're hoping to broaden a little bit. So we also want to hear more generally about your shopping experience. Do you actually enjoy visiting certain stores? And what is it about that experience that you like? Or on the other hand, are you fed up? Whether it is scanning your own items or having a security guard and say, hey, mister, let me take a look at your receipt and check and see what you put in your bag. Or maybe it's something else. Our question from self-checkout to receipt checks, what is your shopping experience like these days? Call us at 1-888-416-8333. We'd especially like to hear from you if a security guard has stopped you and accused you of shoplifting, wrongly or maybe rightly. Um, Also, perhaps you're a store clerk and you can give us a perspective from the other side of the counter or someone who owns your own store. You can also contact us online if you'd like to either send a comment or stand in our queue to speak on the air. What you do is you go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. And in the last half hour, our Ask Me Anything and another hot topic for consumers, airline complaints. Do you have an issue that needs to be dealt with? How long have you been waiting? We have two experts to answer your questions about how to try to resolve your trip disruption or avoid the problem in the first place. That starts in 90 minutes. I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver, live on CBC Radio 1 and CBC News Network. This is Cross Country Checkup, Canada's National Town Hall. And a reminder for those of you who are watching on television, we're different than a lot of programs on a Sunday afternoon. And by that, I mean, first of all, every moment of this program is live. And secondly, you can take part. All you have to do is contact us in one of the many ways that I mentioned just a moment ago, and I will be repeating throughout the next hour. Let's kick off the program with someone who knows a lot about the shopping experience in Canada. Bruce Winder has spent decades working in retail at senior management positions. Now he's a retail analyst, and he joins us from Toronto. Hi, Bruce. 
Hey, Ian, how you doing? Good. So I mentioned the story that my colleague Sophia Harris did and all of the reaction we got. And really, the reaction was uh, equally about the self-checkouts, even though they've been around for a long time, and the receipt checks. And not all were, were negative. I would say it was about 85, 15. A lot of people said, hey, you know, progress marches on, things do change. But the thing is, we got a huge amount of reaction from uh, viewers and, and readers. From your experience as, as someone so experienced in the retail sector, what's your sense of why this would, would strike such a nerve? Yeah, it strikes a nerve. I mean, uh, the whole the whole issue about um, self-serve checkout has been striking a nerve for a while, a little bit with some people. I mean, when it first started out, you know, call it five or 10 years ago, retailers really rolled it out really to save labor uh, as a labor savings. And I think consumers thought it was okay for the most part because you can save time as well. Some some consumers didn't like it, though, because they thought, you know what, you're taking away a job, you're taking away Canadian jobs. So there's a bit of an issue with that. But then uh, over the last year or two, what we've seen is uh, shoplifting and what they call shrink in the industry uh, balloon up. And uh, it's caused retailers to really take a look at every part of their process. And one of the areas where retailers have said they're losing a lot is on self-checkout, that consumers are helping themselves to products, and it's starting to really hit the bottom line. So in your role as an analyst, in your role as somebody who's a retail veteran, what would you recommend to, to stores how to deal with this? Yeah, it's a real tough one, Ian. You know, there isn't sort of a silver bullet here. I mean, it's going to vary a lot. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, you, you can't really, I really think it's difficult to ask consumers to show their receipts after every transaction. I think you're punishing many for the actions of a few. I think there has to be some better ways of doing it. You may have to work in the honor system a bit more. You know, I think there's a bit of a hybrid too, I've seen, where you have self-checkout, but you also have someone there who's kind of watching a little bit. And, you know, by watching a little bit and they're sort of answering questions, it helps deter some of the thefts as well. I want to play a clip from Michelle Washalishan. She speaks for the Retail Council of Canada. That organization represents, as you know, uh, retailers of all sizes across Canada. And we asked her how she might respond to customers who are frustrated by receipt checks, something you just touched on. But let's hear what she said. Um, I would say that I can probably understand that. Personally, I have not had my receipt checked at the door yet. I can understand that, but I would also ask people to be patient and understanding and try to understand where that business is coming from. We have an estimate from 2019 that retail crime in Canada accounts for anywhere up to $5 billion a year in losses. We don't want to have to pass on those additional costs to consumers, but that's what happens. And as we're seeing these incidents of theft increasing, it is becoming more of an issue. Well, let's go back to Bruce Winder, a retail analyst in Toronto. And, uh, you know, that lines up uh, with your experience as well in terms of the amount of, of shoplifting, trying to, to deal with it. Um, and, and you've seen, I guess, you've been talking about a change over time, I guess, Bruce. Yeah, it's really changed over time. I mean, you know, we used to have everything go through the cash register. Now it's self-checkout. And you can see why. I mean, you can see how consumers or how stores are trying to save money. But there's other technologies that are coming out as well. Uh, in the U.S., and then we have some versions in Canada too, there's technologies where you can scan an app. Amazon Go is an example. You scan an app, and then you just put everything in your basket. Whatever you walk out of the store with, you're automatically debited for. So, you know, I, I think it's difficult though for consumers to accept that 
we should all be penalized for some process issues at the retailer. I really think there's a better way to do it. And I don't think checking receipts is the answer. Yeah. I, you know, as soon as you said that, I remember an ad, but it was some time ago, maybe four or five years ago of somebody walking through a store and in the ad, they made that person look like they were actually shoplifting. They breezed past a security guard, breezed through the exit. And of course, they hadn't done anything wrong because they had the system you were talking about. Do you have any idea how how far away we are in terms of technology and cost from seeing that kind of system in stores in Canada? Yeah, it's getting closer. I mean, there was a lot of uh, discussion about it. Um, I know in Canada, there is a company, I, I forget, I think they're called for, uh, 24-7 or something. I'm not going to get their name right, but they've developed a, uh, a a test version of this. They're actually using it in some convenience stores, I believe, in the greater Toronto area. So the technology is here, but remember, it's always about capital expenditure, right? Nothing's free. It may cost several hundred thousand dollars, up to a million dollars to convert a store to this format. So it's not cheap and retailers, you know, are very stingy as they should be about where they spend their capital dollars. A lot of people still go to stores. I find one of the things that people overestimate is the ratio of online shopping to in-store shopping. Uh, So there is something about bricks and mortar that still appeals to a lot of people, Bruce. Again, drawing on your experience, what would you say to any shopkeepers who are listening uh, about what they should be thinking about, even beyond self-checkout and and shoplifting, just sort of generally speaking, what they should be thinking about to make the in-store experience more attractive to people? Yeah, it's a great question, Ian. I mean, it really depends on which demographic and which market segment you're going after. But I think the bottom line is, you know, you want to make it easy for the customer. If if you're targeting more of the transactional customer, you know, someone who's maybe income challenged, you got to make it really easy for them to get in, you know, have great value, low cost. If you're targeting someone who's a bit more affluent, then, then they want more sort of of once in a lifetime type experiences. You know, they want to come in and be thrilled. They want to talk to experts. They want community. They really want to be wowed. So you have to give them a reason for coming in. And the big differentiator really between online folks and brick and mortar is is service. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. The other thing is that sometimes people want to touch and feel the product and uh, learn about the product as well. So there's a few things you can do depending on which uh, target market you're going after. The key is to ask your customers what they want and then deliver it to them. Great advice. And uh, as someone who spends a lot of time, maybe too much time in stores, not necessarily buying, but just, you know, walking through, enjoying things. I think all your points are well taken, Bruce. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Anytime, Ian. Thanks a lot. Bruce Winder is a retail analyst in Toronto. Our phone number here on Cross Country Checkup is 1-888-416-8333. Or you can log in online, cbc.ca slash aircheck. I'm Ian Hanamansing. We are live in Vancouver, and Jessica Slater is calling us from uh, just outside Vancouver in Maple Ridge. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm well. So what is your shopping experience like these days? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, I am part Cree. My mom's Cree. My dad's English. But I can pass as white. But a lot of my friends can't. And anti-Indigenous racism in big box retailers was bad before COVID. But we've noticed a huge uptick since COVID of my friends being borderline harassed. And I'm seeing TikToks and, you know, Facebook posts um, almost weekly about these incidents. And it's coming to a boiling point, I feel like. Um, And I do think that there must be some correlation with, you know, the increase in theft with the current economic realities um, of people just feeling squeezed, you know, with the increases of cost of living and 
and inflation and things like that. But um, I think the real crime here is the profit margins that these big retailers are making and taking advantage of Canadians that are already feeling squeezed by so many other systemic impacts, like including COVID. But, you know, in a moment, we're going to hear from uh, the owner of a small chain of stores in Canada, and I'll ask him, but I think his view might be a little different in terms of, of profit margins. Um, so maybe, but, but, but you know, you raise a lot of really important points, Jessica, about, the, uh, about racism or the perception of racism or a combination of those two things. Um, and so, you know, at the same time, we know that shoplifting is a is a issue uh, and a growing issue for some stores. So, how how do we address this? What's the proper way, Jessica, to to deal with all of this? Well, I think it's a larger systemic issue. You know, like um, I've been working in the field of indigenous led systems change actually for some time, looking at upstream um, causes of some of these you know, downstream acute uh, ways that we feel impacts in communities. And I think we need to really start putting the onus back on the system of like, why is are these big retailers, I'm not talking about small chains here, I'm talking about big retailers that have taken advantage of the fact that we are already being squeezed by COVID, by inflation, um, with these uh, unethical price increases. Why are they not being held accountable um, for making the the already tough situation even tougher and you know i've seen these videos like the reality of them i just think that there is so much systemic racism i think it got worse over covid and um i think you know that that really needs to be addressed um and i also just want to say one more thing like one of the clips you just uh played was about half the cost of these thefts down to consumers but, like, what about all these other costs that they're already passing down to us? Like, where's that conversation? I don't understand. Like, I mean, the, these uh, price increases that we've already had to pay, all of these, like, we're just getting squeezed from mm-hmm. every side, whether it's fees on our gas, whether it is, you know, the rising cost of food. And, like, when are we going to address those things instead of like blaming the consumer and pathologizing the people that are really impacted by all of these different systems at play? Okay, Jessica, thank you very much for calling. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a great day. And you can weigh in on this topic, one 416 You know, this topic is going to touch on a lot of different issues. At the heart of it, we would like to hear from you about your in-store shopping experience. And so that does include, as I say, these uh, uh, self-checkouts and uh, and the receipt checks. But it's about way more than that. And you heard a little bit of that when, when I talked to the retail analyst, Bruce, as, as we we're talking about the in-store experience. And a lot of you, you know, here it's summertime and hopefully you're relaxing. Maybe you're you're driving somewhere and uh, maybe you have a chance to stop into communities you don't normally stop into and do some shopping. And what are the things that you like that you see or the things that you don't? And uh, you can go to cbc.ca slash aircheck or call us at 1-888-416-8333. Well, I mentioned that we would talk to the owner of a small grocery chain and let's do that right now. Munther Zeed uh, is the owner of Food Fair. He is in Winnipeg. Munther, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Good. Um, so the Retail Council of Canada is telling us that there is an increase in shoplifting from uh, in stores. What's your experience in Winnipeg? Well, uh, we have five locations in Winnipeg, and yes, we are seeing some uh, increase in theft, but it's really, it looks like area-based. Not all our, all our stores are facing this. So 
uh, it's a challenge and uh, we're trying our best to deal with it. And what is it like as a store owner to to deal with shoplifting? Well, I mean, we're experiencing, depending on location, four, five, six, sometimes as high as 10 people a day that we we catch or stop from shoplifting from our stores. But as I said, it's only at a couple of locations. All, our, all of our locations are facing it, but not as high as the two that we have right now. And we just heard from a caller. I'm not sure if you had a chance to, to listen to her. And she drew a straight line between uh, how everything costs more money, how squeezed people are, and shoplifting. In your experience at your five stores, are you seeing that as well? Do you see the shoplifting driven largely by necessity? No. I can tell you the shoplifting that we're seeing right now is not for hunger reasons. Um, it's or even lack of money. Uh, people that are hungry might steal a sandwich, a banana, one or two items. How many blocks of cheese do you need to steal if you're hungry? You don't need to steal 10. I mean, what we're catching now is people stealing multiples, five, six, seven of the same item. That's not being because of hunger. That's being uh, stealing because they're feeding another hunger that they have, whether it be an addiction or something else. Um, the amount of people that we're catching that are stealing one item or two is very low, very, very low. And you've tried different things to try to reduce the amount of shoplifting. Um, security guards, uh, I guess you don't do... I don't know if you do receipt checks, but but at the end of the day, what have you found is the most effective way to deal with this, or is there an effective way? There, is, in my opinion, no effective way. We we have cameras throughout all our stores. We watch uh, as best as we can uh, people's movements. Also, we've learned over time how people movements are, and we catch that way. Um, we've had security. Um, security is a uh, they may be able to prevent people from stealing just because of being there. But when a confrontation happens, the security guard's not doing anything. They're not putting their life on the line for a grocery store, for a jug of milk or a loaf of bread or whatever is, is happening. But I mean, some of the people that are stealing today are very aggressive and you have to be ready for that. And uh, let's shift the topic for a moment, because as I've said, I, I want to get more, uh, you know, go broader than just shoplifting and, and self-checkout, which incidentally you don't have at your stores. You don't have the self-checkout. Um, but, but what does it take to make the in-store shopping experience attractive for your customers, do you think? Uh, our stores are more full service. People that are shopping at our stores right now enjoy having full service. They want service. There's no benefit of going to a self-checkout. What benefit do you have? You self-checkout, you self-bag, everything's self, 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 and prices are still going up. What's the value of that? We offer full service, whether it be at the checkout, bagging the grocery, scanning it for you, even taking it out to your car, serving you at the meat counter. You can pick the steak that you want. You don't have to buy pre-packaged if you don't want. Uh, you can buy it. I mean, it's service, 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 and we believe in that. I believe in that. I go into stores myself that, whether it be a pharmacy, uh, I prefer going to the checkout where somebody's serving, servicing me instead of the self-checkout. So I believe in service, and that's why customers come to the store uh, or stores is because they want to be serviced. Uh, they don't want to be checked at the door after they're being serviced. So um, we believe in service, and that's the way to go. Friendly service, I'll tell you, uh, my family will attest to the fact that uh, I will go way out of my way if, if I feel like I'm getting to a store that uh, is not just providing service, but doing it in a friendly way. Uh, Munther, uh, thank you very much for speaking with us. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Have a great day. Hunter Zeed is uh, the owner and manager of the Food Fair Grocery Stores, and we reached him in Winnipeg. A little bit later this hour, we'll be speaking with a lawyer and law professor about whether you actually need to stop if a store owner asks to see your receipt. The answer might surprise you. In the meantime, get in touch. Uh, We're looking for your thoughts on what makes a good or bad shopping experience. Have things like self-checkouts or receipt checks made things better or worse for you? You can email us questions, by the way. Check up at cbc.ca. Chat in real time on Facebook Live. You can send us a message as well at cbc.ca. Call us at 1-888-416-8333. Jennifer Murray is calling us at 1-888-416-8333. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. How do you feel about self-checkout? I avoid self-checkout completely. I find it too tempting to go through regular, like, self-checkout. Um... I mean, the statistics prove that people are stealing. And I'm not saying that I have, but I may have. And therefore, I don't do that to myself or I don't want to do it to the store owner. I go through full service at all times, basically to keep myself in check. Yeah, so I think I heard you, but maybe I misheard you. Did you say, um, I'm not saying I have, but I may have? Is that what you said? That's what I said. I may have. I think that the process of figuring out the produce numbers, where the bar is, the scanning bar, um, I don't know. Like Every time I do go through self-checkup, I end up having to call for someone to come and help me. And that poor person is trying to check out three or four of us helping us. I just just bypass it. I do think it's tempting. um, And obviously, it's tempting other people like like your other, like the last guest was saying. Yeah, well, listen, there, there are two issues here, Jennifer, I think. Sorry to, to jump in there, but no. you know, there, there's the mistakes we almost inevitably make. And you touched on a couple that I have definitely uh, been worried yeah. about. And that is has to do with putting in the codes. And, you know, there, there are 12 different kinds of roles. Like, am I actually remembering the right kind of roles when I punch it in? Or, you know, vegetables and, and, and you know, the hot food bar. and all. So abs- 100%, I think a lot of people yeah. who, have, who, you know, can relate to that. But I think the other issue here is, and is, is, you know, do you think that there are people who, who, you know, like there are some people presumably who have a strategy to shoplift, whether it's out of necessity mm-hmm. or some other reason. Then there are other people who would never think to, to take something from a store without uh, paying for it, except, like you mentioned, the tempting part. Do you think that some of those otherwise law-abiding people are kind of slipping an extra thing or two into their bag without paying? I believe they are. I, I think that, like, it's even just being on the phone for this phone call gives me, like, anxiety and heart palpitations. I feel the same way at self-service. I just want someone to do the job properly, efficiently, quickly for me. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it correctly. I'm certainly not going to double-check. And then if I was stopped on the way out, that would just be awful, um, even if I had done it correctly, I'm going to feel like I've done something wrong. I just, I avoid self-checkout. It seems like a system that is just going to end up with people doing it wrong, feeling uncomfortable. I don't know. Unless you had like five items in less, then, then that's the time I would do self-checkout for myself. Yeah. But at a big grocery, forget it. 
it would be mortifying to actually, yes. you know, have missed something and uh, get caught. Well, caught. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, where you had no intention. Like, I, I think th this whole program, getting ready for this program, reminded me of something that I'd actually forgotten about. I was at Rideau Center a few years ago in the magazine, or no, I guess maybe I was at a coffee shop or something. But anyway, a security guard came up and asked me to prove that I had paid for the magazine that I was reading. And I had bought right. the magazine like days ago, so I didn't have a receipt for it. And, and yeah. it was just like a really unpleasant interaction. Um, yep. And have you had anything like that? No, no, not at all. That's like, I think when this all began two years ago, three years ago, I really started to see self-checkout. I remember being at the dollar store and there's a mirror above me and I just thought, why am I feeling like I'm going to feel something? Like, why is it making me feel? <laughs> yeah. And then can I, would I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not that person. I don't have the need to do that, but I just don't, I want to avoid it. I want to avoid, I want to avoid it. I want to have a receipt that someone else printed out for me and even receipt checking, you know, at Costco, that gives me anxiety because I'm <laughs> like, well, maybe they missed. Maybe they missed something that's underneath something else, and but they don't check really anyway. I don't think that'll ever be a system that'll help us. But should I admit this? Yeah. I, I I feel sometimes this weird little sense of pride when I go through those receipt checks and everything checks out fine. Anyway, that's just me. That's a weird thing to, to admit. <laughs> um, Jennifer, listen, um, I hope this was less anxiety inducing than going through self checkout, and I sure appreciate the fact you called us. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks. One eight 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 four one six eight three 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 from self checkout to receipt checks. What is your shopping experience like these days? Uh, uh, Dane McFadden is calling from here in Vancouver. Hi, Dane. Hi, and how are you? Good. Um, I see here from our notes that uh, th that you tried to stop a shoplifter. Tell us about that moment. I did. I have a couple of comments, and uh, I'll comment afterwards on my idea or my. My feelings on being having my uh, receipt checked. Okay. Um, well, this is Vancouver, and I, I've seen you in Vancouver a couple of times, so you know Vancouver quite well. This is in a derelict area in a huge mall that used to be. It was touted to be sensational, and then it went into ruin. It's called Tinseltown. Mm -hmm. And because the drugs, uh, the drug problem that we have in the Hastings area bled into that area, uh, we get people who are sometimes homeless, street people, and drug-induced. So I went into this Japanese store one day just to take a look around, and uh, there were two cashiers, both women, and they were side-by-side, side, uh, almost holding each other in fear. And standing in front of them was a young man, I would say, early 20s, quite tall, very belligerent, and he was getting angrier every second. Uh, they had a security guard, but he didn't have the paraphernalia. He didn't have a jacket saying, um, mm -hmm. saying he was security. But he was obviously um, uh, a person who was there for that reason. And uh, he looked nervous as well. And this guy had his arms full of items from the store, and he was not going to pay for them. They had blocked the turnstile from, tur from letting him out. So he was screaming at them using every word you can think of. And I finally had enough. And I walked up. I'm, I'm in my 60s. And I blocked his path. And I said, put those things back. 
And I got, um, I heard both F words. I'm gay, so I heard the two F words. Mm. And uh, pejoratives, as long as you're armed. And I wouldn't give up. There was something inside me that was fed up with seeing not the things taken, but how he was treating these people, just doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And I said, put the things back, put them back, drop them on the floor if you need to. He dropped something. He kicked it. It went out into the mall where a small crowd was starting to form. Uh, He stepped over the, the turnstile and dropped another couple of items. And I grabbed the items and he started screaming at me. And then I stood up to him and I said, I'm not letting you go. And he said, you can't do that. I said, try it. Do anything you want. Take a poke. That was the word I used, Ian. Mm-hmm. Take a poke. I'm ready for you. I, it was this Neanderthal feeling that I got inside me that just took over. Uh, later in, in conversation with friends, they said, were you nuts? <laughs> Maybe I was. Well, and and I said, you're making these women cry. Mm-hmm. You're, they are working nine to five, and you're not. And you expect to take these things free? I'm not going to let you. He um, he gave me a chest bump. I didn't give, and then he dropped everything out of frustration and walked out. I tell you, I went back inside, and they were all saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I went into an aisle, and my knees were shaking. Mm -hmm. Would I do it again, I guess, is the big question. Well, (laughs) let me me ask you the big question. Yes, would you do it again? If he was threatening, I mean, I'm getting older, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm less, you know, I know there's going to come a time when I'll be less able to uh, defend myself. Mm -hmm. But yes, yes. I, I would, because they were terrified. Even the man, the young man, and he was a young man, I would say close to 30. And uh, this is the, the security guard. And you know, there, there's, a lot, I, there's a lot to think about as you tell your story, Dane. Sorry to jump in, but I know you have a, no, 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 uh, okay. you have a, you have a second part, and I want to ask you about that too. But I would just say mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. you know, the idea of people mistreating other people and doing it with impunity mm-hmm. and doing it with an impunity is obviously something mm-hmm. that most of us w- would have a problem with. Um, you are understanding enough to, to suggest that the, the guy who was trying to steal this stuff probably had issues, you know, like addiction. So that, you know, there, there's, there's, yes. there's room in the right circumstances for compassion for them yes. as well. Um, but mm-hmm. then the third thing is just the, the pragmatism of staying safe. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, y- y- you kind of were lucky, Dane, that this guy <laughs> didn't pull a knife out or, or you know. Yeah, well, you know, so, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But I was going to say, I was in Homo Depot. Sorry, Homo. We always, we gave people, we call it Homo Depot. Uh, and I saw people walking out with very expensive items. They were slightly disheveled. Hmm. And I started to walk after them because this, the, the employees weren't stopping them. So a woman shouted after me and she said, excuse me, excuse me, don't get involved, don't get involved. And I said, why? Look, at he's got a very expensive toaster. He's got other items in boxes, obviously brand new. And she, she turned to me and she said, we can't put a hand on them. We can't touch them. Mm-hmm. And that... That surprised me. And I said, well, I'll go after him. I'll get those things back. I'll grab them. No, no, don't, don't, please. Because then we would get, perhaps, we'd wind up with you being, as you said, Ian, knifed or, or hurt. 
Well, yeah, uh, listen, and, there, there's, it's, okay, I'll, I'll let you finish that thought, and then I, I'll say something. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was also way back, I was a floor walker. Mm. I, I, I saw a woman steal some cheese, and I never said anything because she was very old, obviously decrepit. Uh, she was in a rough way, and I just turned a blind eye. But I had stopped uh, people in my short time. It was a summer job. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I go into a number of, well, let's see, Nestor's grocery store, I can see who the floor walker is. Mm-hmm. And I usually smile and nod because I know why they're there. Yeah. And maybe it's because I've got gray hair, you know, silver hair, mm-hmm. um, that they don't see me as a threat. But uh, the floor walkers of today are completely, I would say, mostly unprepared mm-hmm. for violence. All right, so Dane, listen, l- l- you know what? I, I've been fascinating hearing your call. I really appreciate it. I, I really should move on because uh, I've got a lot of other uh, people to talk to. And, and I will say, well, I guess just to underscore the last part of what I said to Dane just a moment ago, which is uh, as understandable as his reaction is to not allow somebody to mistreat others with impunity, um, it is dangerous. I mean, here in British Columbia, for example, we have to pay for gas before we pump it. And it's specifically because uh, some people who worked at gas stations said they were told by their owners to not let people just fill their tanks and run away without paying. And one of those situations led to to the death of a gas station attendant. And that was it, it's just, you know, things can get out of control really easily. So, um, I mean, if you're listening and you know about security at stores or you're a police officer, by all means, give us a call, 1-888-416-8333. What would you say to someone who, with the best of intentions, does not want to let a shoplifter get away? And uh, I think it's pretty clear that Dane has the best of intentions, but even by his own admission, maybe not the best judgment in the moment. And I don't say that in a in a insulting way, but just that, you know, there are potential dangers there and he knows that as well. 1-888-416-8333 is our phone number. cbc.ca slash aircheck is the way to, another way to uh, reach us. Uh, Roxanne Dokel is in Edmonton. Have I pronounced your last name correctly, Roxanne? <laughs> it's Dukel, but you did pretty good, Ian, and okay. thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're very <laughs> welcome. Um, so w- what's your view on our topic today? Well, I, my experience is, I was hoping the first time it happened to me, it was an anomaly, but it wasn't because it happened twice. I just want to prefix my statement with, I'm old enough to remember when going into the grand department stores in Vancouver downtown was a real treat. Mm-hmm. I caught the tail end of that era where we would actually get dressed up to go into the city to go shopping <laughs> and look at the windows. And my grandma would put on even a, a hat girdle and gloves. I mean, it was, you know, it was a, it was a thing to do. Yeah. Woodwards Anyways, and Eaton's. Yeah. It was yes, fantastic. Hudson's Bay downtown. Yeah. Yes. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, those days are sort of gone. <laughs> um, but I had two experiences in, um, probably in the course of almost two years. The first one was at and I, it shall go unnamed, but mm-hmm. one of Canada's most expensive department stores, I was looking at some ladies' items, and a man that was not in like plain clothes approached me and said, can I look in your purse? And I said, no, because I didn't know who he was, right? I thought, who is this man? Mm-hmm. He literally grabbed my purse right out of my hands and dumped it out on the counter. And Wow. Yeah, and that was mortifying. I, I literally I yelled for a security guard, and... 
Anyways, it turned out they thought I was shoplifting. I have a charge account for 20 years in this store. I've never stolen anything in my life. Mm. I, put my, I was completely mortified. I put everything back in my purse. I marched right upstairs to the manager's office. And um, I wanted an apology, and I never got one. And right there, I made her walk over to the finance department. I canceled my credit card right there. That good was for, it. Good for you. Why do you think that they uh, targeted you? I asked them that. And what's really strange is, is that the purse that they grabbed out of my hands and dumped was purchased in their store. And not to sound vain or conceited, but it was a very expensive purse. Mm-hmm. So, and I was a regular shopper in that store, but they didn't seem to care. So that's it. I don't shop at that store anymore. Anyways. So in, inexcusable what happened, but then you had a second incident. Yes. So in another one of Canada's largest department stores, so these are better retailers, mm-hmm. all right? Um, I was in the ladies' cosmetics section looking at some lipstick, and the lady behind the counter said, can I look in your handbag? And I said, why? And she said, because I think you took a lipstick. I said, I, I didn't take a lipstick. And then she said, could you come with me, please? And I was dumbfounded. They took me into a back room. Same thing. They took my purse, dumped it out, nothing in my purse. By that point, I was completely fed up. What I did with that situation was I went home, I wrote a handwritten letter to the CEO of the department store. I said how angry I was, how mortified I was, and how disappointed I was. Mm -hmm. And I threatened to cancel my credit card. And lo and behold, a week later, I got an apology and a $150 gift card in the mail. Well, that's, that's actually a nice uh, sort of gesture on the, on the store's part. Uh, did it make you, did, did it go any way to repairing your relationship with that store? Well, it did. It did. And what's sad is I wanted to be able to keep shopping in that store. We don't have very many depart- those types of department stores left mm-hmm. in Canada. And I didn't want to have to make the point of never going in there again. I don't think if I would have written that letter, I would have gotten any type of response, obviously. I mean, I spoke to the manager at the store. I don't tend to be the type of person that wants to make a scene places and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but I had never had anything like that happen before. Now, I understand since those things have happened and having a couple girlfriends that have worked in some of these stores, you know, high-end cosmetics are really stolen a lot. The Mm -hmm. testers and stuff, they're sold on the secondary markets, you know, handbags, all those types of things. It's a big business for these resellers that steal these items. I get it. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, the previous gentleman that was talking about seeing people steal things. Okay. There is a lot of people stealing things, but they also have to be careful who they go after before they accuse people of stealing things. You know, I a hundred percent. Absolutely. Go ahead. I don't think, you know, now they would be so quick to grab someone's handbag and dump it out, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But maybe in these higher-end stores, they still will. I will say that type of old service that you used to get in regular stores, you can still get, but you have to go into the most exclusive, expensive boutiques to get it. You used to be able to get this type of service anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's it's gone now. So nowadays, like when I've taken my 85-year-old mom to Walmart and you've got this kid that goes out of their way to be so helpful, I mean, there still is people that are are like that, that are Mm -hmm. still going out of their way. But we always make a point of telling management or, you know, sending a quick email and saying how wonderful the service was because otherwise it's going to go unnoticed, right? Yeah, you know, there's so much about your your stories that uh, resonate, and uh, and and one of the messages is about feedback. I have composed so many 
emails in my mind after an experience at a store, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And to your point, I've had lots of great experiences at stores, a lot of staff that do go the extra mile. But I, I, I compose these in my head and I don't ever actually send them. So the fact that you send them and in the case of uh, the second being kind of uh, wrongly accused that you were able to actually get them to apologize and, and give you a gift card is fantastic, Roxanne. Thank you very much for calling. Ian, it doesn't always hurt to say, well, I'm going to contact a CBC too and tell them what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. You can you can do that um, if you like. I'm certainly happy you contacted uh, Cross Country Checkup today. It was Thank been really, you again. Thank really, you again. Really nice talking to you. So let's connect now with a lawyer. Alex Colangelo uh, is uh, both a lawyer and a law professor at Humber College in Toronto. Hi, Alex. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, allowing us to, to call you. And, the, you know, this is an issue that comes up a lot. And, and we heard uh, Roxanne uh, mention it as well. And that is when when somebody gets confronted by someone from a store and says, you know, in, in her case, I want to see your purse. What are her rights in that situation? Well, generally, a, a retailer doesn't have the right to stop you and and, and detain you. Uh, under the criminal code, a property owner does have the right, if they find you committing a criminal offense, to arrest you, to stop you, to call the police and, and hold you until police come. But if they do not find you committing a criminal offense, then they are not uh, legally able to stop you from leaving. They have no authority. And if you haven't done anything wrong and they stop you and prevent you from leaving or insist that uh, they search your, your bags or just prevent you from, from leaving the store, um, you know, you potentially could sue them for false imprisonment. And there have been shoppers who have, have sued for that very thing. So if you were in Roxanne's situation, she is in a nice store that she is a, a frequent customer of. She is wrongly accused, let's take her at her word, wrongly accused right. of shoplifting. And they say, we want to see what's in your handbag. Um, what do you think she should have done in that situation? So again, I, you know, it depends on the situation. I can't, I can't uh, yeah. provide legal advice on any particular situation, but I mean... I've been in that situation where I remember leaving a future shop back in the day and they asked me to, to show their receipt on my way out. And I said, no, thanks. And I kept walking. Um, you know, you're, you're in British Columbia, I understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a case a few years ago in BC where a gentleman went to a hardware store and a loss prevention officer saw him taking a light bulb and putting it into his pocket and not paying for it. So they stopped him. They told him he couldn't leave until they called police. Police came. It turned out he brought the light bulb from home. He wanted to make sure he bought the right replacement bulb. Mm -hmm. So they sorted out. He was free to go. whole thing took about 45 minutes to an hour. And he sued successfully. And I think the court awarded him about $4,000 in damages. So a, a store does not have the authority to hold you if you have done nothing wrong. Stopping you because... They think you're shoplifting. If you are shoplifting, then they have the authority to stop you. But if they are incorrect and you've done nothing wrong or they're just doing random receipt checks, they've exceeded their authority and you could uh, theoretically sue them. So, so I think in, in Roxanne's case, uh, getting the $150 gift certificate, I think the store probably got off pretty easy in that case. 
So a store is private property. And so let's say you exercise your right to walk out without showing a receipt or without showing them what's inside your purse or in our case, a wallet. Um, you, you just, you know, you, you walk out, you have the right to do that. Um, but does the store then have the right to say, Ian, I don't want you back inside my store next time. This is private property. I'm not discriminating against you because of your, you know, gender or ethnicity, but because you didn't want to stop before, I won't let you back in. Is that within their legal right? Right. So that's the risk. A, a, a store, a, you know, a business, they can refuse to serve you or to let you onto the property for any reason, so long as they don't violate human rights legislation. Mm-hmm. So like you said, if, if they stop you from coming back because of your ethnicity, race, gender, gender expression, one of the prohibited grounds under human rights legislation, that would be a violation. But if they simply say, you know, I'm not going to serve you or you can't come back because we suspect you of being a shoplifter, then that's a risk that you take by, I guess, saying no. Uh, they would be within their rights to not let you back in. And I think that's that's how stores have tried to, I think, manage the risk of shoplifting. We won't apprehend somebody on the way out because they don't want to get it wrong and potentially uh, get that liability. But they may then tell their employees that if you see this person, uh, tell them they have to leave. They may serve a trespass notice on the person, give them uh, give them notice that they're not Uh, welcome in the store anymore. That's something that, you know, a store could do. Mm -hmm. Well, I know to your point, you're not giving specific uh, legal advice to anyone, including uh, the previous caller, Roxanne, but in terms of general legal uh, guidelines uh, or principles, we really appreciate hearing from you, Alex. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Alex Colangelo is uh, both a lawyer and a law professor. He works at Humber College and we reached him in Toronto. Let's go to St. Catharines, Ontario now, and uh, Elaine Bouches, Boucher, I guess, is. Uh, I'm just looking at the uh, phonetic pronunciation somebody's put in here, Elaine, and clearly it's Boucher. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Ian? Good. Thank you very much for calling. What, what's your uh, okay, shopping I'll experience? Okay, short and okay. sweet. All right. The self-checkout today, I don't really believe in it because you're taken away from jobs that people need jobs today. Mm-hmm, Two or mm-hmm. three jobs to survive. So I think that they should uh, they should have more people at staff there, and I pay cash only. So for me, it's complicating. Now, some people, and these came in some of the comments we got uh, for our CBC item, uh, a lot of people agreed with your position, but there are people who said, look, uh, ATMs and, uh, and, and you know, pumping our own gas are lots of areas where, where we have done things and, you know, theoretically taking away people's jobs, but it's made life more efficient and saved money for everybody. Do you do any of those other things? No. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't. If I have to pay, if I want money from the bank, I go right to the cashier. I don't believe in all these machines or nothing. I won't use them. <laughs> Sorry, but I won't use them. No, you don't have to apologize for somebody who... who, <laughs> who... My, my name is Lynn, not Elaine. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, L-Y-N-N, Lynn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we, we got that wrong here, but Lynn, Lynn Boucher, we got it right now. And listen, okay. um, and so you, do you always pay cash? Do you ever use a credit card? Okay. Never. I mean, Never. Uh, I just don't want to. Uh, I feel more comfortable with cash. And you know what? It goes a lot faster at a checkout cash than these cards. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Well, good. I good. don't even have a cell 
phone. I don't even believe in that. <laughs> All right, so you are a throwback, uh, Lynn. Thank I'm you. a throwback. I'm yeah. away from the past. <laughs> yeah, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Thank you very much for calling. You're welcome. Yeah, nice to hear from you. That's Lynn Boucher calling us, uh, presumably from a landline, maybe from a payphone in St. Catharines. Our number is 1-888-416-8333. You can also reach us cbc.ca slash aircheck. So uh, we're here to talk about the shopping experience, uh, but we're spending a lot of time talking about one part of that experience, which is shoplifting. And uh, our next guest knows a lot about that. Sunil Subramanian specializes in loss prevention. He is the director of operations at Wincon Security and Investigations, a major provider of security services to retailers. And he joins us now from Toronto. Sunil, how are you? Good and yourself. Good. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about, in your experience, working with various retailers. And I know you won't mention them by name. I appreciate that. But but what sort of things are getting stolen the most uh, at the stores that are run by your clients? As you said, there's various various retailers. Um, but when it comes to the thefts uh, that's occurring, we see a lot of. Um, loss when it comes to meat products, uh, baby formula, razors, vitamins, batteries, things of that nature, things that you can quickly conceal and get away with. And and is there any profile of the typical shoplifter? Is it out of necessity that people are are shoplifting in order to get just food on their table? Is it, are are people part of, uh, you know, trying to make money from the products that they're selling? What are you seeing? It's a very broad uh, spectrum. I mean, we're dealing with people coming out of COVID, loss of employment, loss of income, uh, being forced to take these measures. Uh, you know, people dealing with mental health issues, uh, obviously people with drug abuse, homelessness. Um, but on the flip side of that, we obviously have the organized retail crime that comes in and, and takes and takes out large quantities as well. So you have working uh, for your clients through your company, uh, two, at least two categories of workers. You have people who are loss prevention officers in, in plain clothes, kind of walking through a store or through the aisles. Um, and I believe you also have uniformed security guards that are there to be visible. Um, when they, either one, spots uh, what they believe is shoplifting in progress, how, how do they respond to it? Um, again, it varies. So when you have the loss prevention guard that is not in uniform, um, they have a process that they have to follow in order to go through with an arrest. Uh, the acronym we use is called SCOPE, uh, and that stands for Selection, Concealment, Observation, Pass the Point of Sale, and then uh, Pass the Point of uh, the Exit Point. Uh, once those five steps have been uh, observed throughout without missing any one point, we are then able to complete the arrest. When it comes to the uniform aspect of it, uh, it's not as complicated um, because it doesn't happen as often. Uh, uniform uh, guards deal more with kind of smash and run, grab and run uh, um, issues where people know that there's uniform guards there. They just don't care anymore. Uh, they're pretty brazen. Um, and so they're just trying to get away as fast as possible and run uh, and get away. 
We had a caller earlier this hour, a man in his 60s, or I think he was in his 60s at the time, who saw uh, somebody shoplifting at a a store here in Vancouver. And uh, there was a security guard who I guess wasn't intervening. There were a couple of shopkeepers who looked scared. And so he stood there and refused to let the the shoplifter leave. And the shoplifter bumped him and uh, the guy stood his ground. I think I know how you're going to answer this, but what would you say to that, uh, that bystander who intervened? Um, I, I did watch that segment as well. Um, I appreciate what he did, uh, especially because he had the lost veteran background as well. But um, there's no real reason to put your life in danger for a scenario like that. We don't know the individuals that we're dealing with. Um, our security staff go through extensive training to be able to deal with people uh, that are committing theft for one reason or another, whether it's mental health or homelessness culture and things of that nature. But again, uh, as you said to him, maybe not put yourself at, uh, in harm's way for the sake of a couple dollars. And Sunil, let me ask you about another caller, uh, the woman uh, from, I think, maybe Edmonton, who said that twice in her life, and she sounds like an older woman, she talked about uh, remembering the grand old days of the department stores in Vancouver, but twice she was confronted in high-end stores uh, by security guards who each time demanded that she open up her purse and uh, empty out the contents uh, because they thought she was stealing. And the way she tells the story, she wasn't stealing. They found nothing. Um, what would you say to her about her experience? Um, I mean, I apologize that she had a negative experience uh, for whichever retail store she was at. Um, but I do believe in the process. I think people need to be a little bit patient with it. Um, look at it from the aspect of maybe it's not an implication of theft, but more of a mitigation of theft, which in the long run is only going to benefit us if we're patient with the process and theft levels come down. Um, you know, inventory pricing is going to go down as well. And with the way inflation is right now, that again is only going to benefit all of us in the long run. Is it working? Uh, the efforts of, of your uh, you know, your company and, uh, and the clients they hire, uh, does it make a difference? Does it reduce shoplifting? It does. Um, it depends on, we have to find the perfect formula, which is what we work on with our clients. Um, we're trying to push now because of um, the procedures that are put in, being put in place where, you know, you can't do receipt checks right now, where you can't do bag checks, there's no touch policies, there's things of that nature. Uh, we're kind of encouraging our client base to move towards the uniform security guard, which is more of a visual deterrent. They can be placed at the entry exit point of your store uh, so people can see them right away. Uh, they can be patrolling the point of sale areas so people know they can't just run straight through and get through. Um, we are kind of encouraging the, the industry to move in that direction um, so as to mitigate more loss. Almost uh, last loss, sorry. Sunil, thank you very much for your insights. Really interesting talking to you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sunil Sobranian uh, specializes in loss prevention. He's a director of operations at Wincon Security and uh, Investigations, a major provider of security services to retailers, and he is in Toronto. We have another half hour to talk about this topic. And as I say, we're not just talking about shoplifting, not just talking about self-checkout, but also about your shopping experience. So I look forward to hearing your stories and hopefully you do as look forward to hearing the uh, callers as well. But right now I would like to sign off from CBC News Network. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. 
Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find the dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Cross Country Checkup on CBC Radio 1. I'm Ian Hanamansing, and we are live in Vancouver in 30 minutes' time. It's our Ask Me Anything. It is summer travel season, and changes are coming to the so-called Passenger Bill of Rights. The Canadian Transportation Agency is proposing new rules and kicking off a round of consultations to hear from you, if you'd like, directly. We know a lot of people have tried to access that Bill of Rights and uh, there's a backlog of 52,000 complaints in the system right now. So what questions do you have about what you ought to do if you have a travel disruption? We have two travel experts with us for our AMA, Ian Jack and Shalene Dudley, and you can start calling right now, 1-888-416-8333. You can also text your questions, 226-758-8922. But before we get there, let's continue with our main topic today from self-checkout to receipt checks. What is your shopping experience like right now? And Alison Cameron is calling us from uh, Victoria, British Columbia. Hi, Alison. Hi. What? Uh, oh, so you used to work at a big box store. I'm just looking at the notes now. What was that experience like? Uh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, people, you know, people are people. Um, I've always worked in the service industry, mm-hmm. so I'm used to people and their expectations, reasonable and unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But in the retail world, um, it's chaotic because you've got people coming and going in all directions, asking where this, that, or the next thing is. Mm -hmm. And then you have the shoplifters. I mean, one guy took a diseased plant, and I just shrugged my shoulders and thought, karma. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You don't know if that's going to spread throughout your garden. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's try to do this. Another experience is with... Children, people literally leaving their children in the toy section where the kids are told you can play with what you want. They take the pack, the packaging off. They play with it. Dangerous for the children. Mm-hmm. And then at the till, they say, the parents say, oh, no, we brought that with us into the store. I mean, and you can't really argue. Wow! I, I t- like did that happen once, or did it happen more than once? It only once for me. Yeah. But uh, the loss prevention guy told me that it it has happened before. So you've done a very good job of not uh, saying what the store or stores 
are, is or are, that you have worked at. And so let's continue that way. Let's not identify yeah. the store. Um, but yeah. let me ask you this. you got a big box store with all these customers, all, you know, some are there for good reasons, some are there for bad reasons. Um, you're busy the whole time. We've heard from people on the program so far, and I think this is very true, that service is really important to people. And, you know, friendly, informed service can make a, a difference about what store you go to and what store you don't go to. In your experience, yeah. in your experience working at these stores, were you able, did you have the time, did you have the, you know, sort of brain power to be able to uh, provide the service that, that, that customers need? There, yeah, because there are tools for the employees to work with. So let's say you want, oh, I don't know, what do you want, in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let well let, let's say I uh, I'm looking for a something for my car. Let's say a windshield wiper for my car, and I know very little about cars. And I walk in there and I say, right. Allison, uh, I help me. Where is it? Yeah, it's your question. Yep. So and you've come in and you're in the pharmacy and you're asking me for that. That's right. So That's what I I'm have doing. a tool that allows me to type in windshield wiper mm -hmm. and I can tell you um, this is the model mm -hmm. is this what you're looking for and if it is then I can also tell you whether it's in stock or not and how many are in stock and then I will direct you to that location but if you're disabled or you're elderly or you can't really get there mm -hmm. on your own. I I was trained to take you there. Well, you know what? The stores need more Allisons. I, uh, I hope the next time I walk into the pharmacy section and ask for a windshield wiper, I run into somebody who is as kind and patient as you are. But in that big box, we were all trained to do that. Well, good. That's great. I, I got to say, I, I, it's hit and miss for me. Sometimes I get great service, sometimes I don't. Uh, so all kidding aside, it's, it's good to hear that uh, people like you were trained, are trained, uh, committed to, to providing that good service. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you. Bye. Lots of ways to reach us on Cross Country Checkup. Margaret Sawyer uh, did it on Facebook. Oh, Margaret Sawyer Riche is her name. And on Facebook, she said, I feel that seniors or those with disabilities were not taken into consideration when developing self-checkout. Uh, the counters are too low. Trying to scan, bag the stuff and get it back in the cart is frustrating. James uh, Nadell via AirCheck in Vancouver says self-checkouts were an experiment in the 80s and are presently a barrier for young people needing entry-level employment who could benefit from developing people skills and general life skills like keeping schedules. Larry Patrick Zolob on Twitter says, zero issues, but I'm single and my basket is usually under 20 items. They can check my receipts all they want. I understand why it's happening. I'm not prone to outrage by choosing to believe that it is personal. He's answering this question. From self-checkout to receipt checks, what is your shopping experience like right now? You can reach us, 1-888-416-8333. Let's pause for a second, though, and talk about the alternative to shopping in-store, and that is shopping online. And I know a lot of people like to do that, but, you know, it's not always easy and painless. In June, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission sued online retailer Amazon for what it calls, quote, deceptive practices. The FTC alleging that the company tricked people into signing up for Prime memberships and then made it too complicated to cancel. 
Todd Maffin is a business journalist. He has some advice on what to look out for. He joins us from Nanaimo, British Columbia. And before we begin, I should point out that Todd worked with me on a program called Canada Now back in the 2000s here on CBC. Uh, you were one of the best parts of that show, Todd, and it's such a pleasure to have you on this program. Good to see you. It was like uh, 20 years and 20 pounds ago for me, so good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I follow you, I think it's on Instagram, certainly on social media, so I feel like I'm in touch with you, but uh, not really. So as I say, really nice to to have you on the program. Let, let's start off with, with Amazon, this FTC lawsuit. FTC alleging that the company has engaged in something called, quote, dark patterns. What does that mean? Dark pattern is essentially whenever an online retailer or website is trying to trick you into doing something that you didn't mean to do. In the case of the allegation with the FTC against uh, Amazon, it was, as you said, too easy to sign up for Prime, which is their monthly membership. And if you've ever shopped on Amazon, you'll know that when you go to uh, to purchase a product, if you don't have Prime, it will try its best to try to get you to sign up. It's like, well, you're giving up free shopping while well, you're giving up fast delivery. So too easy to sign up. And then a just a, a labyrinth of, of uh, website pages to go through uh, to cancel. In fact, the FTC said that the code word internally for Amazon was the Iliad project, making reference to the uh, to the labyrinth, of course. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was nasty. And now Amazon says the claims are, are false, but l let's make this more general. If, if someone who's listening finds himself with a, a subscription or a recurring payment that maybe they didn't know about or are trying to work their way out of, uh, what advice do you have for them? The, the, the easiest thing to do is to slow down. You know, where dark patterns trick people is when they go really quickly through checkboxes. And, and in fact, Donald Trump in the previous presidential campaign had two giant checkboxes with with uh, uh, text around it that, you know, four or five or six lines just looked like, will you support Donald Trump? And are you prepared to, to fight the good fight? And then in small print underneath it said, by the way, we're going to double your uh, your donation. Are you cool with that? So people who are moving too fast through a cancellation process or even a sign up process might miss that. If you're still stuck, most of the larger e-commerce sites do have phone numbers you can call, or at the very least, a chat line. Amazon has a fairly robust and relatively quick chat system where you can get online and talk to a representative over the computer. That's often a better way to go than trying to find it through the website, which is designed to prevent you from canceling. Yeah, and I've run into that, uh, and and you know I never thought of it as a sinister thing, but uh, a major newspaper I had a subscription to, and decided that I wanted to uh, unsubscribe, and I like I'm not a stupid person, and I could not figure out on their website how to unsubscribe. It was really really frustrating. Um, now we're, we're talking about uh, various kinds of subscriptions, not just to newspapers, but also to things like Amazon Prime. Again, putting those aside, what are some of the other things that companies use um, in dealing with online shoppers that we should be aware of? There's a few. I mean, whenever you see a false urgency on a website, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, that's often a, a countdown timer that's not real. You know, you'll go to a web page. These often come from Instagram or Facebook ads for whatever reason. You go to the landing page is what we call it in the industry. You land on this web page and it has a countdown clock and it says this sale is only available for another two hours and 29 minutes and it's counting <laughs> down. Well, if you sit on that page for a few minutes and then you reload it, you'll find it jumps back to two hours and 29 minutes. It's not real. A very similar one like that is, you know, four people have this in their cart right now right. or there's only six left now there are ways to patch your website directly into inventory and fulfillment so that number may in fact be accurate but it's it's tricky and i have to say ian it's not just online retailers i mean this happens everywhere my mom who also is not a dumb person asked me to compare her cable bill with a competitor she printed out her cable bill it's eight pages long 
And uh, three of those pages is are her services. And what what a lot of these uh, sites will do, mobile providers, cable companies, in this dark pattern in the invoice is bundle all these services together. So in her case, it was two and a half, three pages of services because uh, there was a there was a phone and then she got a, an, a discount and then she got a loyalty discount and then it was bundled into something else. So it makes it really hard to compare packages. Oh, you know what? Like I, that is so right. And exactly my situation as well with my uh, cable, I could not figure out what I was paying for cable. No, I, I, you know, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I understood the bottom line, but as you say, all these little things in the in the various lines and the discounts, uh, it, I mean, it sounds crazy, except some people are nodding their heads, I'm sure, because they've been in exactly the same uh, situation. Uh, yeah, like it, it should not and, be that difficult. And it's widespread. You know, there was a study that Princeton University did uh, about three or four years ago now that found they they looked at 11,000 shopping websites and found dark patterns on 11% of that. And interestingly, the more popular that shopping site was, the more likely it was to use dark patterns. And at the end of the day, if you're stuck in a subscription and you can't get out of it, I guess uh, one very simple way for low-tech people like me is just cancel your credit card. But that seems a little extreme because there's so many other things you rely on with your credit card. Indeed. And, you know, one of the areas that is, I guess, good and bad about the Canadian banking system is that we have very strict regulations when it comes to credit cards. That does prevent us from accessing the kind of more flexible credit card services that they have in the U.S., where there are some credit cards in the U.S. that every time you use your credit card, it generates a new random, uh, a new credit card number, essentially a virtual number. And so rather than having to cancel your entire credit card, you can just cancel that one number, which uh, is attached to that one retailer. We're not quite there yet in Canada because of regulation, but Maybe one day. This is like a high school reunion, Todd. 20 years ago, we were working together <laughs> on TV. Seems like no time has passed at all. Fantastic hearing your voice. Thank you. Indeed. Good to see you. Todd Maffin, a business journalist, and we've reached him in Nanaimo, British Columbia. We are just about 17 minutes, just about 17 minutes away from our Ask Me Anything on summer travel with experts Ian Jack and Shalene Dudley. You can email questions to checkup at cbc.ca, chat in real time on Facebook Live. Do you have questions about airline disruptions, about having to pay for a hotel because you got stuck uh, overnight near the airport? Have you tried to figure out how to use the uh, the government uh, complaint system and invoke the so-called Passenger Bill of Rights? You can call us at one eight 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 four one six eight three 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 to put our question, put your question to our experts. You can text us as well two two six seven five eight eight nine two four. But before we get there, from self-checkout to receipt checks, what is your shopping experience like right now? Uh, Brent Shakini is in North Bay, Ontario. Hi, Brent. Hi, Ian. How are you? Good. Well, this is interesting. I'm looking at the notes. You are a retired police officer who now works at a retail store. What, what's your perspective on our uh, topic this week? Yes, I work for a large uh, Canadian retailer, and I... Uh, from a from a customer standpoint, I do enjoy self checkout. Like I told your producer, I'm I'm old enough that I do appreciate personal service uh, at a brick and mortar store, but I, I'm also busy enough that I I really appreciate self checkout when the when the need arises, mm-hmm. and it's quick and easy. And I'm not a litigious or confrontational person when it comes to any type of retailer need. If they need to see a, a receipt, not a problem. I'm happy to help. So I, I don't see the point of getting into an argument or thinking that you can sue somebody for uh, for wrongful detention or whatever it was your lawyer said. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say thanks very much. I, I I didn't know who my favorite caller was. It was either Dane, the fellow, the old fellow that stopped the, uh, <laughs> right. the shoplifter, or was it uh, Lynn? 
uh, against cordless everything. So that's uh, <laughs> two great callers. Yeah. So anyway, to the point of uh, another thing that your last guest missed too when it came to uh, online shopping is the potential for counterfeit products. If you if you use any sort of online shopping and you shop for a specific brand name, sometimes you get counterfeit stuff. And you may or may not know when you get it and, mm-hmm. uh, and the quality is off. So there's, there's that downside. But I do appreciate online shopping too, as long as you're careful on how you do it. But that, I think my main point... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Was, yep. No, no problem. Sorry. Uh, my main point with your producer was that uh, retailers do face a huge struggle. I, the, the retailer that I work for, they have, uh, they have a massive uh, corporate security program, and they're an excellent corporate security program, but uh, that costs a lot of money to keep that place going and, and to, to pay all those employees and all the technology involved. And then there's the individual stores themselves who lose between hundreds to thousands of dollars per day to shoplifting and thievery. And so, yeah, the, there's no... Um, I don't. I, I'm very sympathetic to the fact that they have bills to pay and they have uh, losses to cover when it comes to uh, how they strategize with customers. And, and, and in your experience, or in terms of what you're seeing, uh, what is there a profile in terms of shoplifting in North Bay in 2023, or, or is it a wide range of of people and and motives? I think what we're seeing in in, in North Bay and other places, it's similar to every other city. There's uh, there's systemic problems within society that are driving people to steal. And, and what I deem a shoplifter is somebody who looks around, shoves one item in their pocket and leaves. And then you have thieves who will, who for profit will be trying to take, like your one caller said, uh, the, the fellow that owns the grocery chain, mm-hmm. 10 boxes of cheese so that they can sell it to feed their other habit, which is drugs or uh whatever other criminal enterprise they have on the go. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I think it's the same across every city across uh, Canada. When you, when you look at the profile, it's not, uh, there's two different types. As I say, there's a shoplifter and then there's a professional thief. Well, let's finish with your comment on uh, one of your two favorite callers, Dane, the, the uh, bystander who, who stood up to a shoplifter. But as you heard me say, uh, I think you know, opening himself up to a high degree of risk as a retired police officer, Brent, who who works uh, for uh, a retail store. What would your advice be for him the next time he runs into that situation? Well, yeah, I, I don't want to. I can't endorse it, and I can't recommend that somebody does that. But Dane's of an age as I am, where you know what it's like to take a poke in the face, as he says, and. And and he's willing to put himself to that risk to stand up for something. And would he be able to sleep at night if he went home and didn't? Or would he be willing to put up with two hours in the emergency room if he does do it? I think he's willing to put up with it. And I commend him for it. And I applaud him for it. Well, that is a really interesting and informed perspective, given your past. Thank you very much. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, hearing your assessment of our program today. That was fantastic. Okay. Thanks very much, Ian. 1-888-416-8333. We have time for just a few more calls on our main topic. And then at the bottom of the hour, or in Newfoundland, the top of the hour, we are switching to our Ask Me Anything with two travel experts to uh, field any questions you have about how to deal with the uh, passenger bill of rights, the complaint system, or other ways to avoid problems in the first place if you're getting ready to travel this summer. Uh, but let's go to Marg in Kentville, Nova Scotia. Hi, Marg. Hi, how are you? Excuse me for my voice. I have a horrible cold. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we will bear with you. And uh, and how do you feel about uh, the way things are going in, in, in stores these days? Well, you know, I had my own store years ago. I'm a senior. I still work by choice. 
I want to be there. I love my job. The company is great. And I, I do get it when the self chuckled like 90 from where I work. I can only speak for where I work. But 97% of the people come through at the beginning all hated self-checkout. Not doing it, Mark. Not doing it. And now they all do it, and they do it well. Mm-hmm. The point is, you get the odd person. Like I had a lady come through and say, I wasn't at your Christmas party. And I said, excuse me? She said, well, I, I didn't get invited to your Christmas party. I said, why would you go to our Christmas party? And she said, because I'm doing your job. <laughs> I said, like, I'm all, I am way up there now in years, and <clears throat> many years working in retail. And I said, no, ma'am, you're not doing my job. My job is to stand here and help you mm-hmm. to assist in anything, produce numbers, anything that doesn't ring through right. That's my job. It's called self-checkout. Mm-hmm. It is an option every customer has, a, a, an option. If you choose to come through, I know in my store, everyone that works where I work for the self-checkouts do a job, and they do it well. Mm-hmm. They're trained well, and we try always to be helpful. Unfortunately, there are people that come in, and they do steal for the thrill or for the drugs that your last um, caller, I think he was excellent, and that lady, Allison, wonderful, great ideas, like you're saying, because we know I work it for 40 years. I've been working in retail, mm-hmm. and the last seven, six years with these self-checkouts. When you go to Costco's, <clears throat> you pay for that service, mm-hmm. and you're checked at the door. You will not leave Costco's until you show them your receipt. Yep. Um, so- and you pay for your service. You're paying them money. So do you see, Marg, when you're uh, kind of supervising the self-checkout at the store you work at, which we're not naming, um, so you, you actually see people occasionally shoplift? Uh, yes. Yeah. Before, when COVID hit, uh, a lot of people took time off because they were nervous. So we were also told then the stores did not go over. So if you came through, Egan, and put something through and it was reduced item, there's a button you hit, reduced. Mm-hmm. And then it flashes for me to come over to confirm that it was reduced. Mm-hmm. So we were told, okay, we're just going to let that go through now because of COVID. We do not approach the customers. Some customers are very self-conscious about people being close to them. So we didn't do it. Guaranteed 100%. The stores lost, not only our, my store, all the retails lost a lot of money because of that. Mm-hmm. So I went to work, and we were told, okay, well, now we're going to start checking. So this gentleman, well-dressed, never in a million years, I think anything. Anyway, the light's flashing, so I walk up, and I said, oh, sir, you reduced something. And he said, what? And he had a $66 thing of ribs reduced half price. So I looked to confirm it, and I said, oh, sir, that's not half price. I said, don't. He said, what? And I said, no. I said, don't worry about it. I'll take it off and put it in for you at normal price. He said, I don't want it. I said, that's no problem neither. So I picked the item up to walk away, and he hollered my name. He said, when did you start checking? I said, today, sir. (laughs) Now, how many of those people came through? So, like, people say, well, you're taking jobs. I know in my job, there's nobody's taking jobs in there. It's an option to come and use it. We are there to help you. There's no reason to get confessful because you don't know the number on bananas. We will help you. But most people over time, they always say to me, look, look how far I came. Like, you guys are wonderful. I said, you picked it up so easy. Seniors, 
I go to seniors. Some of them will say, come on over, do this. Oh, no, I don't know how. So we turn around and say, come on, we'll do it for you. All right. So, I mean, people go to a bank machine and get money. Yep. No, and that's, I, yeah. And, and, and the tellers right there, when you're looking into the bank, people order online food. Yep. And they, and they come in their pajamas and pick it up in the parking lot. All right, Mark, thank you very much. That's a really interesting perspective. I think I'm still not getting an invitation to your Christmas staff party, though, right? <laughs> you're welcome anytime. All right, thank you. And you're welcome to call us anytime. Thank you very much. Uh, from self-checkouts to receipt checks, what's your shopping experience like right now? And as I mentioned, uh, very interested in hearing the story from either side of the counter, customers or shopkeepers. Wendy Yates is a small business owner in Cambridge, Ontario. Hi, Wendy. Hi, how are you, Ian? I'm doing well. How, how do you feel about uh, the shopping experience these days? <laughs> well, I really try to give excellent customer service. And as I was saying um, to the person who spoke to me earlier, um, 90, 99% of my customers are great people. I enjoy serving them etc. But I have to say, Ian, there are a bunch of people out there who are unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in today's world, if they walk out of my store and all they have to go do is go on to Google and give me a bad review for something that isn't bad service. In fact, it was probably good service. <laughs> yeah. So those 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 bad reviews matter, do they? Oh, absolutely. Because people look at the reviews. They look they look at your reviews on TripAdvisor when mm -hmm. they're looking for uh, businesses in your area when they're visiting, and so on and so forth. And people do tell me that they read the Google reviews. So yeah. Um, yeah all for example, I had a customer the other week. And uh, this was a gentleman and his wife visiting the area for the day. So these were not going to be return customers. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a small amount of product from my store for a picnic. Now, I have a fine cheese and gourmet food store. I do offer samples to my customers, and I do it in a contactless manner. And... Um, he was fussing and fuming over what I knew was going to be a very small, um, you know, bill at the end. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the items, one of the cheeses that he asked for um, is a soft cheese with uh, one of those bloomy rinds on the outside. And I, this is one that I do do a custom cut of. I came and I showed him the cut. He approved the cut. I went back. I wrapped it, brought it out. I wrapped in proper cheese paper. It's a, I have run a very good store. And uh, I came back. He looked at me. He said to me, you didn't give me all rind, did you? <laughs> and I said, well, it's a soft cheese. It does have rind on it. Well, you didn't give me all rind. I said, well, I cut the piece that you approved. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's the same thing as I do for all my customers, he made me unwrap that piece of cheese to show him that I hadn't given him all rind, turn it upside down. Now, Ian, by this time, I'm giving him the stink eye, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because I had to then go back and wrap it all up again and uh, 
then he went on Google and he wrote a bad review about me. Wow. So, like, tell me, tell me. There is no ombudsperson for the small business owner, for the business owner who has to deal with difficult customers, yep. challenging situations, people who steal from you, yeah. and um, all of that goes into the bottom line that a customer, that our customers pay. So if customers don't want to pay a lot at the, at the cash desk, then we have to be able to, you know, reduce the, these reviews that affect yep. our bottom line, re- reduce the theft in our stores, all of that gets added to the bottom line. And yeah. if consumers are complaining about the price of, of the things in the store, then that's part of it. Wendy, I, I, I appreciate your call. I appreciate your perspective. And it's one of the things that I, I say. There are a lot of things I love about cross-country checkup. And one is when we get insights like yours that not only are on topic, but kind of broaden the topic. And I think part one of the lessons here is when we as consumers, first of all, be fair when, when we do reviews on, on sites. But secondly, as we read those reviews, try to discern the difference between one angry person and unreasonable person and, and sort of the more general consensus. Um, we are minutes away from our Ask Me Anything. Uh, two experts will be here to answer your questions about travel disruptions and uh, airline complaints. But I do want to go to one more caller on our main topic. Nina Rao is in Halifax. Hi, Nina. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You only have about two minutes. It always happens at this point in the program. But you want to make a really important point about privacy and cameras at self checkouts. Uh, tell us about that. Yes. So uh, I'm not going to name a retail, but many of the retail chains actually have cameras right at the self checkout counter when you're scanning your stuff, and there's no privacy statement ever. They're hmm. not saying how long they're going to retain these images, uh, where are they being stored, when are they going to be destroyed. There's no privacy statement. I understand that the cameras are there for shoplifting purposes, but there's no informed consent for me to use that. So I never use that checkout just for on the matter of principle of uh, privacy because there's no statement ever anywhere. Yeah, and, and I should and, point out, and, and you, you work in the privacy sector. Like This is an area that you have expertise in. Exactly. And and without having those kind of statements, sure. I mean, I understand, like even the caller right before me, uh, business owners do need to have the camera, but I think it would be, it would be more uh, informed consent on shop of, uh, on part of the, the shopper if I know what you're doing with those images. Long you're retaining it, are they leaving the Canadian borders? Like, uh, are you using AI uh, on those uh, for facial recognition? So, so those kind of statements at every checkout, I think, is really important. And, and and I don't see it anywhere. And that's why I never use that checkout, even if that means I have to stand in the line for like 45 minutes. Yeah. I, I'm embarrassed to say it hadn't occurred to me that there are cameras being used there. I certainly mm-hmm. have not seen any signs on that. Nina, I'm, I'm glad we were able to squeeze in your call. I'm sorry I couldn't give you more time, but thank you very much okay. for connecting with us. Thank you so much for having me on. It's time for Ask Me Anything, the summer travel edition. As of September, complaints will be heard within 30 days, with mediators from the Canadian Transportation Agency empowered to hold airlines accountable and require them to compensate passengers. 
almost every time our flight's still delayed and we've never been compensated at all for it. You can go to the Canadian Transportation Agency and file a claim through the Air Passenger Protection Regulations. Airlines need to be honest. Don't uh, don't be overbooking and don't uh, don't be hosing customers and charging extra. Changes are coming to the so-called Passenger Bill of Rights. The Canadian Transportation Agency wants to clarify the rules on how travellers can file a complaint and when they're entitled to compensation from airlines. And the CTA has also started consultations to hear from you directly. Last month, the Liberals passed new legislation that aims to toughen penalties on airlines, address the complaints process, and close loopholes that have stopped passengers from getting refunds in the past. Those changes are expected to come into effect over the next several months. In the meantime, the CTA is dealing with a backlog of more than 52,000 complaints. For the next 30 minutes, you can ask any questions you have about the Passenger Bill of Rights and air travel, and we have two guests here who can provide I don't know, it says all the answers in the script. Let me say almost all the answers. I'll leave a little bit of wiggle room there for both of you. Ian Jack Jack is the Vice President of Public Affairs for the Canadian Automobile Association, a non-profit travel agency. And Shalene Dudley is the CEO of Latitude Concierge Travels. And they are here to take your calls, answer your questions. You can ask them anything. 1-888-416-8333. Ian and Shalene, thanks for joining us. Now, I Thanks think, for having me. Yeah, I think, Ian, Ian you might be uh, muted. Can you uh, just try saying hello And again? there we are. Thank you so much for having us. Sorry about hey. that. Yeah, <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, Ian, even though you're muted, I will still start with you <laughs> um, because I know you're unmuted now. What are the problems with how the so-called Passenger Bill of Rights has been working so far? Well, it, it would be a shorter interview if you asked me what's working well uh, with the system, <laughs> I think. Uh, but I'll, tr- I'll try to be tight on this. I mean... Uh, you know, I, the original sin, I would say, of this system that was put in place in about 2019 is that it was made um, very complicated. The regulators tried to anticipate every little thing that could possibly go wrong, um, and they gave a lot of you know, loopholes, frankly, to the carriers. Um, you know, one example on that is that if there's a safety-related issue with an aircraft, they don't um, owe anybody on board any compensation under most circumstances. Well. Um, if a carrier says there's a safety problem with with the air, uh, aircraft, who are we to say that that's not true? Uh, on, mm-hmm. Only one party in this knows whether that's true or not, and that's the carrier. So from the beginning, we flagged that you know if this system was going to work, it had to be simple and clear and accessible to the average Canadian. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not an aeronautical engineer. I'm not <laughs> in a position to judge their claim about this mechanical problem. And what we've seen, of course, is the carriers have used uh, loopholes like that to say, nope, not going to pay you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I was flying the day that Air Canada had an internal software problem that led to a huge number of delays and cancellations. And the email I got when they said my flight from Toronto to Vancouver was delayed was, I, I wish I had the phrase in front of me, but whatever it was, it, it was kind of, I, I understood each individual word, but the words together <laughs> didn't, you know, when you put all the words together, it didn't really make sense. And it certainly didn't say this is a software problem that we are having internally yeah. that's creating the disruption. So yeah, it's it's hard to navigate through this. Uh, and that's what happens when you when you set up an overly legalistic and overly complicated system, right? You end up with lawyers on various sides kind of writing these things mm-hmm. um, instead of them just sort of saying in plain language, which they're supposed to do, by the way, under the regulations, um, what the issue was. But I mean, I tell you, um, a lot of the uh, issues they would tell you um, 
you know, you'd have to spend a fair bit of time detective work trying to figure out what that means for you. What are you owed mm -hmm. given what they're telling you? Even if you can believe what they're telling you, it's still not always clear what that means for you. It's a very yeah. complicated process. And I that, think, that needs to be simplified. Yes. And I also think there needs to be a duty on all the airlines to disclose exactly what the problem was. And I'll give you uh, like a good story about Air Canada. I, I recently flew from Moncton to Toronto, a flight that was, uh, again, like just delayed, delayed, delayed. But to his credit, the pilot said to us when we were on board what the problem was. And he said it, it originated in Toronto. There weren't enough baggage handlers. And so the flight was delayed out of Toronto and that sort of compounded things. And those those uh, airline, those baggage handlers are Air Canada employees. So clearly it was a problem that was uh, of their making and I appreciated the the honesty. Uh, Shaleen, you, you deal with your uh, clients all the time who are traveling to all kinds of cool places, right? Because you do a lot of uh, uh, events, I mm -hmm. think, uh, on behalf of your clients. Uh, we've talked to you in the past and there've been good times and bad times in the Canadian travel yeah. industry. H how are things going so far in this summer travel season? Uh, not as uh, chaotic as the past, especially winter. That was a challenge. But mm -hmm. right now, the, the issues with baggage are a little more quiet. The issues now are delays in flights. We had clients last week on their way to a wedding, and they were delayed uh, seven hours. So that they lose a whole day of uh, you know a planned milestone event. And then all they have through the week is anxiety about the return home, which was also delayed. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's just a lot of uh, hold on and wait. There's a lot of me over communicating to make <laughs> sure that they understand that this is a possibility. But, you know, all in all, um, I just have my guests be prepared for anything that can happen at this point. And usually it, it, it's just been fright delays right now. Yeah, but you know, one of the nice things as a customer, if you deal with a travel agent, is that all of a sudden you have somebody who can help you out. Um, but right. what's it like being on your end when, like that case, you know, hours long delay, lots of clients who are fuming, and so they call hmm. Shalene and say, "I don't know, fix it." Then what do you do? Shalene uh, gets on hold for hours on end uh, <laughs> as well. <laughs> And you're not making so money like, for that, right? No. And, you know, that's always a part of the balance here. You want to give your clients personalized service and you want them to feel secure booking with you as a travel agent. Um, and then all you feel on this end is the anxiety of your client and trying to get them an answer before they make a decision on their end that could hold up or, you know, circumvent what you're already working on. So, mm -hmm. um I have two phones for that reason uh, <laughs> so, that I can kind of message them and call the airline or the tour operator at the same time and see what answers I can provide for them. Um, most of the time, my clients have their own phone numbers uh, to use on their end, but because obviously everybody is is having the same issue, I try to circumvent on my side and see who I can get um, a, a better answer for them so they can make a good decision. I'm really looking forward to to the remainder of this program for a couple of reasons. One is this is a country, because we're so big, a lot of people travel for lots of reasons, from seeing family to to going on vacation to doing business. A lot of people have had these uh, these problems. And for both of you, you can give uh, our callers uh, some really good practical advice about what's possible and what's uh, not possible. one 416 is our phone number. cbc.ca slash aircheck is another way to reach us. Our 2 
experts are here to answer your questions about travel disruptions, about the Air Passenger Bill of Rights, uh, or any other travel questions that you have that deal with trying to resolve issues. And let's go to our first caller, Robert Roscoe, is in St. John, New Brunswick. Hi, Robert. Hi, Ian. Uh, hello from the Maritimes. Yeah, always nice to get a call from, from the Maritimes. And, and, and tell me your situation, and then I'll direct it to either one or both of our uh, experts. Yeah, actually, this is very timely. It actually involves my son, who traveled yesterday. I uh, was flying from Fredericton going to San Diego. Uh, the flight in Fredericton got delayed multiple times due to a lack of ground staff. So it was a ground delay mm-hmm. in Montreal that caused the flight, uh, causing the missed the flight to San Diego. Uh, they ended up rebooking him to Toronto, and they got in around midnight. Uh, no offer to put them up overnight because the next flight was supposed to be sometime tomorrow afternoon or this afternoon. Uh, they managed to, Air Canada managed to rebook them on a different airline to uh, San Diego, uh, and they were delayed, but they finally got there this afternoon, thankfully, around 3 o'clock, which is probably better than a lot of other stories. But the other issue we're running into now um, is that there's no luggage. And when he approached the uh, airline with the luggage, uh, there seems to be uh, two finger pointing, like who is responsible? Is it Air Canada or is it the other airline that's responsible, even though Air Canada was the booking agent? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just concerned, I guess, like there was no – I've flown in the past, and if there was really delays, we used to get a, a food voucher to go have something to eat. Um, if we were delayed overnight, sometimes you know they offered us a place to stay, and it just seems like there was no offer for any help here. And he's right now trying to uh, get some clothes for him and his partner there to at least start today because he, he's not sure if and when or who to contact about his luggage. Yeah, this, um, this is a fantastic uh, question, Robert, because not only is it uh, like a big part of it, I think a lot of people who are listening can relate to, but then there's the added little twist here where Air Canada put your uh, son and his partner on a different airline for the second part of the flight. So th- this is this is interesting. And I think I'll go to both of our experts and 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 see, you know, what you'd say. Uh, Shaleen, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if Robert's son was your customer, what would mm-hmm. you be telling him about the delays, about the baggage, about the hotel overnight? Uh, what advice would you have for him? Um, so in the current situation, it'd be different than what I would probably have said before. So okay. in, in the current situation, um, whenever your bags are moved from airline to airline, you should keep that, you know, the little sticker that we often disregard that's put on the back of your boarding pass that has a barcode so that your bag can be tracked. So at this point, I would ask him to look at the Air Canada one and, and probably the partner they used. Um, to see who has the bag at the current time. I would also start a bag claim now. Um, we often forget to do that, and there's a window for that issue um, to be so you can have a claim for lost or damaged bags. Um, you would have to then call the 800 number associated with the airline at the airport within which it should land. So that's another way to track it. This happened to me in Austin last month. So I was able to, in the airport itself, call the helpline and get an operator that could help track the bag. Um, and then it was found, uh, it was in the airport, but it was just in a, in a different location. Um, for the future, um, insurance that you purchase that has baggage and trip interruption and delay can assist with these little issues. And you're absolutely correct. Airlines are not all offering vouchers anymore. With um, trip interruption or delay, 
after three hour delay, you can automatically receive a $40 credit to your account, which would be something you could use to offset food or maybe entering an airport lounge. And then every hour that that occurs, you receive another credit up to $140 per passenger. This has to be registered once you buy the insurance, but it's a little something in between the compensation you expect that you may or may not receive that at least help you in travel so that you can have a little bit of, uh, I guess, a window or a, a pillow to land on while you're trying to figure out what to do next. That money can also be used uh, for clothing. And trip interruption and delay also has that yeah. included in it as well. Ian, Jack, I'm going to go to you in just a sec. But uh, Shalene, I just have one follow-up question. How much is that insurance? It depends on the cost of your flight. So the last time I looked at one, it was about 10% of the total. Um, so it just depends on where you're going. Yeah. So um, that's a lot though, right? 10%. It is of, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot. It's not a small amount. So even when you're doing um, a full package, so let's say you have a package that's $1,500, mm-hmm. it could be about 10 to 12% total if you do a full um, PPP for if we're talking about Manulife, a premium protection plan that also has medical and cancellation within it. Okay, let's go to Ian Jack now. And Ian, uh, so Shalene talked about the, the baggage issue. There's some other issues here that uh, Robert has has yep. brought up. Uh, the overnight, for example, the hotel. Um, yep. Weigh in, uh, what sort of sure. advice do you have for him? Um, a few thoughts. The first, just to, to cycle back for a moment, is that uh, some people's credit cards have insurance built in. It's, it's not going to mm-hmm. be as comprehensive, and you may or may not have it, but... You know, sadly, travel these days, uh, a lot of us have difficulty. A lot of things can go wrong. So uh, just stepping back for a moment from the specifics of this and uh, what would be to say um, either, unfortunately, these days, I think it's a very good investment to get that travel insurance. Um, Mm -hmm. You may have it through your workplace or you may have it on your credit card. So check that first. You can call your credit card uh, and ask a company and ask them. So there may be a way to get at least some of those protections without having to pay the money. Um, But generally speaking, you you want some kind of insurance, number one. Number two, um, another important point that was made is just document, document. Sadly, we kind of have to assume something might go wrong when we start our our travel. So whether it's keeping Mm -hmm. those stubs, whether it's taking a screenshot of the display in the airport it shows when the uh, flight was supposed to take off and what the delay and how long the delay is and so on. This is important documentation to have in case you do have to file um, a case later. And uh, finally, uh, what I've started doing now, um, I've become very good at not checking a bag. That's not possible for everybody, and I'm not saying it was possible in this particular situation, but... um, really think hard about whether you can get to where you need to get to without having to pack a bag. I mean, I've taken to uh, sending laundry out from the hotel sometimes when I'm traveling Mm -hmm. just that I don't need to pack that suitcase. And the cost of that, frankly, is less than um, some of the baggage insurance that you might you might have to pay for. So there's various things we can we all um, again, sadly, kind of need to do Um, in this particular case. I'll say number one. the airline actually did one thing right, and it's thanks to the passenger protections that were put in place in 2019. There's a requirement if they can't book you on one of their own flights within a in a timely fashion, they have to look outside. They have to put you on a partner airline, even if they don't work with that airline, and they're in effect buying you a ticket. So that went well. On the other hand, uh, vouchers, the overnight hotel stay. Um, they're not always doing it, but they should be the carriers. And that can be a part of the basis of a claim that would be made for out-of-pocket expenses. Um, and then the baggage, again, I come back to, man, are there problems with baggage everywhere these days. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a tough one. It really is. 
Yeah. Um, and so fantastic points from both of you. I would say on the credit card thing, one of my sons is is like, you know, he should be in the business you guys are in. Uh, he travels a fair amount and is really savvy about it. And uh, and and he was, uh, he's a big advocate of using, and I won't mention a brand name, but his particular credit card. And it gives him up to $500 uh, for uh, mm-hmm. overnight trip interruption. So you can stay at the airport hotel and you can have a nice meal and, and they deal with it very quickly. So uh, these are all things that don't help Robert's son right now, but uh, on the front end, you can do, um, you know, and again, you know, these these things I'm mentioning, these credit, that particular credit card is not cheap. Uh, travel is not cheap. No. There must be a lot of people who are listening who are saying, oh, you know, um, I wish I had those problems. But the fact is there are a lot of people who travel for, you know, just seeing their family in the summertime yeah. and a lot of people well, find themselves. So, yeah. It's one of the reasons we started pushing for these, these passenger protections many years ago. And again, unfortunately, the system that's come out isn't working particularly well, but this is exactly the point we made, Ian. Um, uh, you know, people who travel a lot for business or travel agents or frequent flyers of whatever sort um, have some protections built in. They have lines they can call. I mean, in the current situation, there are so many things going wrong that even some of them get hooped. But um, most Canadians are traveling maybe once a year. You mm-hmm. know, and they're going to Cuba for their one getaway, or they're going to visit family in Kelowna, mm-hmm. whatever they're doing. They don't have access to the, uh, the you know, the top tier uh, traveler concierge phone number and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, what about them? Um, they should have some protections too. Um, and again, we have them, but they're, uh, as you said, over 50,000 complaints in the backlog right now. The system mm-hmm. is clearly clogged and not working yeah. that well. We have less than 10 minutes. We're going to have to do this uh, segment again another day because there's so much stuff, uh, so many people are calling in. But but let's try to, I'll try to squeeze in as many calls as I can in this remaining 10 minutes. Debbie Riley, another call from Fredericton. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Uh, I, I should say another call from New Brunswick. You are in Fredericton. <laughs> the one before was from St. John. Um, and you have yeah. a question for Shalene. Uh, what's your question? Yes, I'll try to make it short. Sure. Um, a large airline that is based in the Netherlands, but flies out of Canada, charged my son double for a ticket. Mm -hmm. We went through their whole system, um, and we respected their timeframes. But doing that, when they said no to a refund, we exhausted the timeframes for his credit card. Um, Mm. So short of getting on a flight to Amsterdam and beating on their front door, I don't know what else we can do. And the thing is, it's $3,000. It's not something that we, I feel like that we can just give up about, but I don't know where to go next. Um, So your first stop is Tico. Um, So we have to, we as consumers in Ontario have Tico. Um, So you can't really use it where you are, but I would still go and just double check that that airline is even accredited with them. Um, that way we know they have some kind of governance. Um, your next step would be, so I had to do this with people for air Portugal in the beginning of COVID. Um, there's a lot of layers to a lot of their websites and other phone numbers that possibly are there to call, um, to find out how else you can escalate the issue. I'm not sure the airline, obviously we're not going to mention it here. Um, Mm -hmm. but other than that, I think I've seen other people reach out to the alliances they're a part of. So if that airline is in, let's say, Star Alliance, you can find their right. other partners to find out where they would send someone for complaints. And honestly, this sounds menial, but I have gone to Twitter for things even for mm-hmm. myself, like say Greyhound. I've had an issue with them before. And usually customer care in there 
has been more helpful than the 800 numbers. So exhaust all those other avenues as well. And if okay. you need to reach out to me, I can also dig a little bit yeah. on my end. If you can find my contact info, I'd love to try to help. Uh, one other thing I'd mention is, have you course. tried, oh, uh, let me just, have you tried the credit card company? Yes, but see why we respected the timeframes that were given us by oh, I see, right. yes. yep. airline, yep. Yep. We, mm-hmm. because that's what we felt was the right thing to do. Then the credit card said, oh, well, you know, we can't help you now. It's too late. I'm sorry. Yes, you did say that earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Super, super quick, so, Ian. If I, I'll yep. just throw out one other idea for you. And I, this is not the only thing I would do, but you might want to do it in parallel. Um, the, the Europeans have um, an air passenger uh, regime as well. And what sprung up there is a lot of third parties operating through websites that will take on your case and for a cut of it, do the work for you. Um, I'm not going to recommend anybody in particular, but you might want to do a little bit of Googling, take a look at that. And if if it's 3000 bucks that you're out and, you know, they take 10% of it, you might still be better off than getting nothing. Again, that would not be the only thing I would try, but uh, these sites are fairly easy to use and you might be able to start a claim there at the same time if you're not getting any joy through... um, through the airline website. Okay, I need to jump in now, even though I know uh, we haven't uh, dealt with all of the issues there, but I do want to get one more call in and I'll direct this, Ian, to you. Um, Ankit uh, Bansell is in Edmonton. Hi, Ankit. Hello. Um, What's uh, your question for Ian Jack? Yes, thank you for the opportunity. So um, we bought two tickets uh, from um, India, from Delhi to Edmonton. Uh, back in April, and um, and the stopover was in Montreal. Um, and so our um, a day before our flight, in fact, the same day, uh, we got a notification from Air Canada that the flight is going to be cancelled, and um, and that was it. And they said just um, stay tuned, basically. Um, and then we've had to um, call them several times to get them to book us on um, diff- different flights with Air Canada, but different flights um, two days after. So overall, like we got to a destination for more than 48 hours um, up, um, after than we were supposed to be at. So um, my question is, and when I, when I filled the, uh, comp- uh, their claim form on their website and they have come back to me and they have said that um, um, it that this flight was delayed due to unforeseen maintenance and does not include scheduled maintenance or um, mechanical problems identified during the scheduled maintenance is mm-hmm. determined to be within our control, but required for the safety-related reasons and you're not eligible for the comp- compensation. So my question is, the airline, this, I feel this is a loophole loop um, for the airlines that they are using because I don't know whether it was indeed for the safety-related reasons or not. Yeah, that's a great question. And you you spelled it out really nicely. And uh, we've got uh, about two minutes left or maybe two and a half minutes. Uh, Ian, Uh, I'll start with you. And Shaleen, I'll go to you either on this or Mm -hmm. a final comment. But Ian, uh, in two minutes, what would you say to Ann? I will. I'll do do it shorter than that. Um, uh, You're quite right. (laughs) That is a loophole. Uh, It was identified by us and lots of other people early on in the process. Uh, this won't help you, uh, but that loophole uh, is going to be addressed um, in the new set of regulations that are coming out by this winter. So the government is uh, slowly learning some lessons about the system. Hopefully it'll be better for the future. In your particular case, um, I wouldn't 
take them at their word, if I were you. Um, when you file with a carrier, they have 30 days to get back to you. Uh, if they get back to you and you don't like what they have to say, you can then file with the regulator. It's called the Canadian Transportation uh, Agency, CTA. Uh, it'll pop up on the first page of Google if you go looking for it. Um, they have a form that is, you know, it's a government form, but it's not the worst government form you'll ever see. So <laughs> you can fill it out. Um, and um, I would challenge that. Uh, there's no guarantee, but we've seen a lot of this happening. And again, that's the lawyers knowing what the loopholes are and trying to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. That's Sorry. fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, thanks, Ian. Uh, all the news, you know, isn't going to be good, but uh, but your advice is uh, is fantastic. Um, let me see now. Yeah, Shalene, how about uh, a minute either on that caller or just a last word to travelers generally? No, I, I absolutely agree with that the only thing I would say is pack your patience because obviously another backlog, but even the standard time is about 18 months, right? I think that's what they're um, projecting on their site. So nothing that's going to come right away, but still to be steadfast and, and push through. I have seen clients process their claims multiple times and then get the answer they were looking for. That's the interesting side of this. It's kind of a, depending on who you get, what answer you're going to receive. Yeah. One of the key changes that's coming is to reverse the onus. Right now, the passenger has to make a case, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, they're going to change that so that the carrier has to pay out, and then they can go to the regulator and say, well, we don't think we should have had to. Mm -hmm. And then they can fight from there. But in the meantime, people should be getting their money a lot faster. Absolutely. Well, you know what? We have uh, lots of people who aren't going to get uh, on the program today. So you don't have to commit both of you to this right now, but let me just throw it out here. I hope we can get both of you on again. I hope we can do uh, another version of this AMA. Like we're only in mid-July. We have a lot of summer travel left right. and uh, both of you know the file so well. It's uh, It's been great hearing your advice, a lot of really practical advice. So thank you very much to both of you. A pleasure. Thanks thank for having you. us. If you'll show up, I'll show up. Okay. I'll right. be here. Okay. Well, there you go. We've already booked a future AMA. All we have to do is figure out the date. Thanks to both mm -hmm. of you. Ian Jack is the Vice President of Public Affairs for the Canadian Automobile Association, a non-profit travel agency. And Shalene Dudley is the CEO of Latitude Concierge Travels. And that's it for this week. Thanks to everyone who called today. If you missed part of the program, you can listen to Checkup's full two-hour version by streaming it on the CBC Listen app or go to our website, cbc.ca slash checkup. Coming up on Radio 1, the world this weekend will have a report on the wildfires raging in British Columbia and the latest evacuations and alerts. If you would like to share comments or appear on a future show, all you have to do is log in to cbc.ca slash aircheck. On Facebook, you can find us by searching for Checkup CBC. Thanks to everyone who helped this week. Our phone screeners are Mackenzie Ribello, Kiata Greco, and Theo Van Busicom. Our TV team, Caleb Isaac, Frankie Fiorini, Garth Gottfried, Jevin Paul, and Richard Grundy. Technical production and editing from Will Yar and Matthias Wilson. Our program assistant is Chuck Mulgat. Cross Country Checkup was produced this week by Ivy Plenner and Mark Hennick. Digital producer is Paul Hanchiak. And the senior producer of the program this week, Steve Howard. I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. I hope you can join me tonight for The National. Uh, we will have the news of the day, of course, plus an interview with former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan. I spoke to him today about the multiple criminal charges that he faces and the possibility 
He may be arrested at any moment, and I'll be back here next Sunday. Before we go, I want to acknowledge the loss of one of our colleagues here on the program. Tim Lorimer was a longtime technician at CBC Radio. He worked on many shows, including on this one, uh, and in fact, uh, fairly recently. He uh, passed away last week. Uh, Tim described in such glowing terms by so many of his colleagues, he was always there for us, and he will be missed. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.